The automobile was in its infancy. Henry Ford had just unleashed the Model T onto the world, and World War I had just ended. The Roaring Twenties were now beginning, and with it, a new automotive climate. With Henry Ford pushing its Model T onto the world, many more automakers began to appear, and many of them started to see deficiencies and holes within that marketplace. And soon enough, during the Roaring Twenties, and even into the beginning of the early Dirty Thirties, the automakers of the time began to expand. They began by adding divisions between divisions to hit every single price point from the lowest model at the time being within the three to $400 range all the way up past $10,000. General Motors, Ford, and Chrysler Corporation all did this during the 20s, 30s, and even into the 50s. But why? Why did they do this? Why did they create many divisions and then eventually consolidate those divisions into an even bigger corporation with fewer divisions today? And that is what Autolux and the Autolux Podcast is talking about today. Autolux.net Autopod, streaming day or night, coming right at you, right here, right now. Welcome back to the Autolux Podcast. I am your host, as always, the doctor to the automotive industry, Mr. Everett J. himself, from the Autolux Podcast, hosted by Podbeam.com, and on our host site, Autolux.net. Click on over to the podcast tab at the top, and you will find all of our podcasts from the beginning to now. And while you're there, take a stop off and visit some of our rated products, corporate websites, or even rate some vehicles from around the world, bringing you to Day, the division's demise. Now, why was it back in the 1920s that these car companies started making all kinds of divisions? Some of them created new divisions and some of them just took over existing car companies to gain a standpoint in the marketplace. General Motors was formed due to this. Durant helped push General Motors into being one of the first car companies that saw the potential of having products within every major facet of the marketplace. Just take a look back to the 20s and 30s, the products they had. Back then, they had Chevrolet which ranged from $525 to $725. Then they moved up to Pontiac to $745, $895. Then into Oldsmobile, which went from $875 to $1035. Then Marquette from $900 to $1000. Oakland, which was $1145 to $1375. Moving into Viking, which had its own price point around $1500 and just kind of sat between the Oakland and the Buick. Kind of a transitionary division. Then you moved into Buick with $1195 and $2145. From there you moved to LaSalle with $2145. 2295 to 5125 and then at the very top of general motors division ladder cadillac with three thousand two hundred ninety five dollars as its base price during the 20s all the way up past sixty seven hundred dollars yes general motors had a division from every major price point so be it i just a working man looking to get his family into a vehicle i can buy the chevrolet or if i'm a mid-range middle-class earner as per a lot of us today we would be looking at products like marquette oak Viking, and even Buick, if we were willing to spend between $900 and $1,000. We want a little bit of added luxury. But if we're the rich guys and we really want to show you how we roll, LaSalle and Cadillac is how we do it. Now the times are going good. Like we said, the 20s all the way up into the 50s and 60s. Divisions were added. Consolidation really didn't begin until the 70s. And the fallout in the 50s from some of the major automakers kind of led to the automobile consolidation in the United States of America. 
America. Now, General Motors had been buying up all kinds of companies to add to their stable, so they had a price point all along the way. Ford, back then, only had Ford, Lincoln, and Mercury. Mercury was actually set out to be a step between Ford and Lincoln, something that soon disappeared in time. Chrysler jumped into the marketplace, and Chrysler Corporation started out with its Plymouth brand. This was long before they ever decided to get Dodge into vehicles, but the Plymouth brand was at the bottom. You went from a Plymouth, then you moved up to Fargo and Dodge trucks, or Dodge cars, DeSoto, and then Chrysler. They didn't have as many divisions. They had more to Ford, but less than General Motors. But because there were so many people getting into the marketplace, every major automaker can have a multitude of divisions to go after every single price point out there. And because there were only very select models from vehicles, it was essentially you got the active lifestyle vehicle of the Model T, a standard car, as they call it back then, more of a hatchback today. So you went for your Model T four-door. Then you had the Model T two-door. You had the Model T convertible and the Model T pickup truck. They also had the Model T cargo vans, but that's it. There were no sports cars. Those were set for racing. There were no CUVs, sedans, minivans, mid-sized pickup trucks. You know, there were many, many divisions missing. But when you have limited products, you need multiple price points. And that's what the automakers were doing back then. They were starting at the bottom end. So with General Motors, they started out with Chevrolet and then they moved up. So every product only went to a certain dollar value. Their products wouldn't exceed that, which means they wouldn't have accessories that exceeded that. They wouldn't have interiors that exceeded that. You had to go to the next division. A little different than it is today. But this also made it a little bit easier because only certain products would compete with other products. Your Chevrolet would only compete with Ford and Plymouth. Your Chevrolet wouldn't compete with the likes of Cadillac, Buick, Mercury, Lincoln, DeSoto, Chrysler, Dodge. They didn't compete on that end. They competed with the bottom end range. We do have, similar to this in today's society, the price points are wider range. Just take a look at Hyundai Kia. Hyundai is mid-range. Kia is the bottom range. Kia starts out and moves into Hyundai's territory. Hyundai starts out and moves above where Kia ends. But then Genesis starts partially into Hyundai's and goes above it. There is some overlap, which these companies are starting to notice and starting to take care of. Unless the products are of high selling factor, then they're just going to abandon them to keep their price points in line. But back then, they only had price points to go on because you can either buy the Chevrolet sedan, the Pontiac sedan, the Oldsmobile sedan, the Marquis sedan, the Oakland sedan, Viking sedan, Buick sedan, South sedan, or Cadillac sedan. Now, by the 1940s, when war broke out, and after the dirty 30s, some car companies failed. So car companies fell. And the major bust to the American economy, auto sales started to diminish. So a few brands were lost. General Motors lost a few brands, whereas Chrysler and Ford added a few. And at the end of World War II was the beginning of the next era of automobile ownership. All those war veterans who came back who never owned a vehicle were never able to get a vehicle or have been gone so long they needed a new vehicle were looking to purchase. And there were lots of them. And into the second golden age, the 1950s. And during the 50s, both Ford and Chrysler added some new names. Ford saw the potential for a product range between Mercury and Lincoln. And decided with a massive marketing campaign to bring out the Edsel. Which, as we all 
know, was a major flop, only lasting from 57 to 60. But this was also due to the fact that it was at the end of the 50s and going into the 60s when the first part of the market started consolidating. Yes, by the end of the 50s, the market began to consolidate. Some major automobile makers started to see loss in sales. Companies like Studebaker, Packard, Nash, Hudson, Willys all started to see a drop in their sales. Whereas companies like Duesenberg were already gone, some of companies like Studebaker and Packard managed to live on into the 50s. But by the end of the 50s, when the market began to retract slightly, some of these companies weren't ready for it. And with so many divisions owned by the big three, it was hard for these smaller independent companies to compete against them. And that's where the first line of consolidation began. Now during the 50s, we also saw the introduction of more luxury, whereas the American president rode around not just a Lincoln Continental, but a branded only Continental product. From 1956 to 1960, Continental had its own brand. So did Chrysler. Chrysler did this from 55 to 75 with the Imperial nameplate. It was a standalone top tier brand sitting above their main luxury brands. General Motors didn't have to do this because they had Cadillac. And if they really needed something, they could have brought back LaSalle. But they didn't because they had Buick sitting right below it. Like we said, by the end of the 50s and into the 60s, some of these major automakers started to fall. Studebaker and Packard decided a marriage between them might help save the car companies. Unfortunately, we all know where that wound up. American Motors picked up what was left of failing American companies and began to breed life into a fourth company. So they, they, they knowing that General Motors, Ford, and Chrysler had multiple divisions across different price points with different product ranges. You got to remember by the 50s and 60s, there were new products coming in. You had sedans, coupes, convertibles, sports cars, muscle cars, pickup trucks, cargo vans, SUVs, station wagons, all began to appear. All began to take over. So now there's more products out there. There's more segments for each company to get into. And unfortunately, companies like Packard and Studebaker, who relied on a limited product range from their past, didn't expand into this fast enough. They didn't jump into the trucks. They didn't jump into the, the wagons quick enough. They didn't jump into SUVs or sports cars. The Avanti, the last ditch effort from Studebaker, was way ahead of its time. But unfortunately, it came too late to save the company. And by the 60s, Packard and Studebaker were no more. American Motors was bred from Nash, Calvinator, and a merger with Hudson Motor Cars. Now, we all know Hudson had a bunch of different product ranges. Well, they have the Hudson Hornet, a car made famous by the movie Cars, again, to a younger generation. But unfortunately, American Motors still wasn't running with the big three. They were one company. AMC became one company, not with a multitude of divisions. But after picking up Jeep from Willys, when Willys decided to abandon its platforms, American Motors finally had a second division in a marketplace that was starting to take off. The light at the end of their tunnel started to seem a little bit better. But by the end of the 60s, only the major automakers had survived. General Motors, Chrysler, Ford, and AMC had all managed to survive the consolidation of the market. Now with brand new product segments out there, these divisions started having to fight amongst each other to make their presence known. And during the 70s, and even into the 80s, products began to be very similar to each other. Hell, you want to see similarities? Camaro, Firebird, Challenger, Cuda. The similarities are there. There 
were differences, but a lot of the products were the same. Now, at the end of the 60s, the first baby boomers were entering the marketplace. This started creating a new market in the United States. It started showcasing the abilities to exploit more segments from the divisions you have. Instead of expanding and having more and more divisions, companies got smarter and started using the divisions they had to expand their product stable, to add new products into the mix, to change the formula. Cadillac stayed as Cadillac, whereas Chevrolet, Pontiac, Buick, and Oldsmobile, they all jumped into the muscle car ring. They all had sedans, they all had wagons. The differences between them weren't really there. Buick, yes, was one step down from Cadillac. It still had some luxury appeal, but Oldsmobile and Pontiac were very similar to Chevrolet. But with the baby boomers buying vehicles from the 60s all the way into the early 80s, there was no reason to start dumping divisions. They were selling. Didn't matter if the products were the exact same. People were still buying them. AMC, on the other hand, was the only company that didn't have to worry about this since it only had its AMC lineup. Unfortunately, throughout the 70s, AMC lost its way. It began to get into the small car market trying to beat the big three to that. But with the Pacer and Gremlin, they really, really didn't have a chance up against the new and rising invasion, which soon came to the 80s. Yes, the Asian invasion of the 80s. We all know that the late 60s began the invasion of imported vehicles. We got Volkswagen, we got Toyota, and into the 70s, we started getting Honda and Datsun by the 80s. Mazda, Mitsubishi, they were all arriving. They were all coming in. The invasion had started. All of these big marks from around the world were starting to close in on the American buying public. And the big four at that time started to realize that. And with the gas crisis in the 70s, they really started to realize that, that they needed smaller cars. They needed to start entering segments that people had not ever entered before. John Z. DeLorean helped push the Chevrolet Vega out, which helped Chevrolet in the 70s when the gas crisis hit. Even though the car wasn't the greatest thing in the world, it was still cheaper on gas than most of their counterparts. But as the end of the 70s started to wind down, and the biggest bubble of the baby boomers had gone through, and they were starting to have kids. But unfortunately, unlike their parents, they didn't have as many kids. So the population began to stabilize. But the only an expanding market from immigration, the 80s, started to look like bleak times. And after getting past the gas crisis in the 70s, major consolidation started happening in the 80s. With the financial collapse during the mid-80s, this began to wake up the major automakers. They needed cheaper vehicles, better on gas, and they started seeing that maybe millions of divisions might not help. But this was only a thought. Because it was still the 80s and there were still lots of segments that hadn't been brought out yet. Gotta take a look at it. In the 1980s, Crosstracks were just starting with the introduction of Subaru and the AMC Eagle brands. CUVs didn't exist. There were only SUVs. Active lifestyle vehicles were not even a thought. Supercars were just starting to break into the market. Even though they started out in the 50s, they weren't starting to break into the market. And the big four didn't see anything past their muscle cars. They didn't need cool sports cars or muscle cars. Asian Invasion during the 80s. They started to see this. They started to see that they needed to enter markets that the Asians were into. Muscle cars may be good, but you need to fight the Europeans and Asians as well. By mid-decade, AMC had fallen on massively hard times, and it was faltering. It put all of its chips in the one basket and bet big on the Eagle vehicles. An original Crosstrek, four-wheel drive, sedans, coupes, wagons, were an amazing thing. You didn't need to buy a truck or a Jeep. You could take these cars into the same or similar spots. Unfortunately, in the 80s, 
1980s, the market didn't want products like that. Ahead of their time, only companies like Subaru managed to find some place in the market. But Subaru had the backing of the Asian marketplaces for their products. North America didn't see four-wheel drive vehicles as sustainable to them. We were moving into front-wheel drive, which was safer. We didn't care about all-wheel drive. We wanted front-wheel drive. And that's what the Americans were starting to do. With only Jeep to save them and the brand new Cherokee being one of the only products making profit for them, AMC eventually folded. They were soon purchased by Chrysler Corporation. Chrysler, who in the early 80s had just gone through their own bankruptcy. But the quick save from Lee Iacocca and the K-Car platform, those cheap throwaway sedans and minivans managed to save them and push them exponentially into the future. People in the 80s were looking for cheap fixes and Chrysler's K-Car were it. It had Dodge, Plymouth, and Chrysler versions. They hit every major part of the marketplace with that car. With sedan, coupe, convertible, and wagon. And when you add in the minivan with a short or long wheelbase, all on the same platform, you were guaranteed to make money. Chrysler had just done what the Model T originally did for us. They saved their skins and with it managed to snap up AMC and with that moved their products into what they called the Eagle brand vehicles. But they soon did away with their Eagle vehicles and it became the Eagle brand which was built to help Mitsubishi enter the North American marketplace. Jeep was a great asset and became a mass asset to Chrysler Corporation. They didn't see it then but soon enough they would require it. But Ford, GM and Chrysler started to realize that they needed help. They needed to compete against the Asian marketplace. Ford Motor Companies brought in their European products, the Merker. From 85 to 89, with just their sports car and sedan, Merker never really lasted. But Ford decided to up their stake in Mazda and Kia divisions to help gain stranglehold on entry-level subcompact and compact cars. These tie-up would last until the 90s. It would really help Ford break through and stay alive. General Motors started again with Saturn and Geo. Saturn was a brand new brand. From 85 to 2010, Saturn was General Motors' answer to Japanese products. Even though they had gotten into bed with Toyota in California to build the Chevy Nova and Toyota Corolla, they still wanted to go after the Asian products and they created Saturn to do that. They also brought out Geo, which was essentially just a tie-up with Suzuki. They rebranded Suzuki products as Geos and put them in their dealerships because Suzuki wanted their own standalone dealerships. They wanted to enter the market and be there. General Motors didn't want them at their lots with the Suzuki name, but they were willing to sell you a Geo, which was essentially just the Suzuki with a General Motors badge. This helped them gain a major stake in the market. And with a larger stake put into Fuji Industrial, Subaru, Suzuki, Isuzu, and Daewoo, General Motors was divesting themselves away from being just a big car manufacturer. Consolidation within their own division started happening, but they started taking over other world car companies to help gain the technology and information they required to keep themselves alive. Chrysler Corporation formed the Eagle brand, essentially just a tie-up of Mitsubishi and Renault licensed products. We all know where the Renault part ended up, but Mitsubishi did stay on with Chrysler all the way up to the Daimler Chrysler days. They took a stake in Mitsubishi and had an alliance with Hyundai and Renault. During the 90s, all three of these automakers began to invest in other automakers to gain their technology and information. General Motors, like we said, had Suzuki, Isuzu, Daewoo, Fuji Industrial, Saab, and AM General. Ford bought out Aston Martin, 
Jaguar, Volvo, Land Rover, Troller, Mazda, and tried to acquire Kia, which helped them build smaller vehicles. Chrysler Corporation? Well, with AMC, they got Jeep. But they also had a stint of owning Lamborghini, which helped them develop the Viper, which is expressed in our Dodge Viper podcast. They also had an alliance and tie up with Maserati, which created the Maserati TC, and their partnership with Mitsubishi. This partnership led on for a while and eventually led to engine development between Chrysler, Mitsubishi, and Hyundai in the late 90s. The financial market, when it dropped out, led to division mismanagement, not only led to an auto companies who had no real face. Ford and Mercury were the same. Chevrolet, Oldsmobile, and Pontiac were the same. Cadillac and Buick were similar. Dodge, Plymouth, and Eagle were all the same. All of these companies were similar to other product lines in their main corporation. But why didn't they change them? They didn't need to. Suzuki brought Chevrolet and Geo small vehicles. Lamborghini brought Dodge the Viper. Maserati brought Chrysler the TC and LeBaron Convertible. Isuzu brought General Motors new trucks and SUVs. Fuji Industrial brought GM all-wheel drive. Land Rover brought Ford new four-wheel drive technology. Mitsubishi brought Chrysler Group small cars. Daewoo and Kia helped General Motors and Ford enter the Asian marketplace. Jaguar helped Lincoln with some new luxury. Volvo gave Ford new safety tech and AM General gave GM a brand new market. But by the end of the 90s, all of this consolidation, all of this expansion, similar to what happened in the 1920s, was starting to dissolve. With the global sales focused for all three, mostly on technology, divisions were seen as an excess weight. During the 2000s, Ford and Chrysler began to look at their division portfolio. They began to see that there was no need to have multiple divisions. By the end of the 90s, Eagle was gone. That tie-up to bring Mitsubishi was no longer required. Mitsubishi already had their own footing in the North American marketplace. So Eagle was gone. Chrysler began to look right before Daimler Chrysler and realized that Plymouth was essentially no different than either Dodge or Chrysler. And eventually Plymouth was let go. And now we're down to just Jeep, Dodge, and Chrysler. Ford decided to give Mercury a kick in the butt as well, whereas it was similar to the Plymouth division. By the early 2000s, Mercury was no different than being a wannabe Buick or a gussied up Ford. Extra chrome didn't make much of a difference over its Ford product siblings, and there wasn't enough luxury to put it in the ranks of Buick. So Mercury eventually was kicked out, leaving Ford with just Ford and Lincoln. But they still had all their premier divisions, which they eventually started selling off. Now Chrysler, during the 90s, had a tie-up with Maserati, and had sold them off. Their tie-up was just that. Their tie-up with Mitsubishi was just that. And they had sold Lamborghini off, which were very short time went out on its own before being snapped up by Volkswagen Group. And we all know where that story ends. But with Ford's premier groups, they first divested themselves away from Aston Martin. Aston Martin, who was then president, did not want to go to a Chinese or any other American firm or European firm. They wanted to become their own car company. And they did this with the help of the Kuwait National Bank. They got stockholders and they bought it. Aston Martin was on its own again. Volvo was then sold off to Geely. Jaguar Land Rover went to Tata Motors. Chrysler by now was now owned by Daimler. Like we said, it divested itself away from Plymouth. But Daimler didn't have any plans to expand any other lineups with them. They kept their tie-ups with Mitsubishi and Hyundai to develop new four-cylinder and six-cylinder engines. That was it. And just before the financial crisis in 2008, General Motors finally decided that Oldsmobile was too similar to both Pontiac and Buick and decided to kill off their oldest division within the company. And Oldsmobile soon saw the door. 
With Oldsmobile gone, Saab was soon to be kicked out. But just before 2008 financial crisis, General Motors decided to start divesting themselves away from all the product help they'd had before. They sold off their stake in Fuji Industrial to Toyota. They sold off their stake in Suzuki, with Volkswagen picking up a small portion of it. Like we said, the demise of Oldsmobile and the sell-off of Fuji Industrial led to the demise of Saab. Saab was being killed off. General Motors had just spent billions making brand new products with the 9.3 and the brand new 9.5 off their own platforms. There were no bankers in Sweden wanted to pick it up. Their only savings grace was the Chinese market, which was exploding at that time. But General Motors didn't want to sell that off because they didn't want the Chinese to get a hold of their technology. By the time they finally found a partner in Spiker to buy them out, Saab was nothing more than a manufacturing site with massive debt. Spiker soon bought it out and found out that it was too expensive to operate with their small limited budget for supercars. Selling off the name to Chinese company Nevs, who is still in a battle with General Motors to gain access to the Saab cars. So Saab was killed off. GM, by this time, was divesting itself away from Daewoo. Daewoo was tied up with the government and had too many problems for General Motors. They soon divested themselves away and bought out the plants. They took over the leases and soon enough, Daewoo had demised and became General Motors of Korea. By the 2008 financial crisis, Ford and Chrysler had dropped all of their ailing brands. Chrysler had actually added a new one with SRT and Ford with SVT, with only GM holding on to all their divisions. But now, the writing was on the wall. Financial crisis put into motion a restructuring General Motors after their bankruptcy, where they soon saw Saturn, Pontiac, Hummer, and Saab were all dying brands. Hummer, with the gas prices, due to the financial crisis, there was no market for a gas-guzzling pig anymore. It was quickly killed off. Saturn, as a complete division on its own, they didn't see any difference between keeping Saturn, only because Saturn products were very similar to Chevrolet, even though they started importing Opel and Vauxhall to try and create some sort of difference, but they were drawing along the line of where Oldsmobile once was, so Saturn was killed off. Pontiac still had its sport appeal, but with Chevrolet and Buick, and even Cadillac adding some in, Pontiac was soon killed off, only because Buick was bigger in the Chinese market. At the time, Pontiac sales were still in line with Buick's in North America, but in China, Buick was blowing up and Pontiac was imploding. Today, since that, the financial crisis has been more consolidation. Due to that, just before the financial crisis, Daimler had sold off Chrysler Corp to Serbius Management Group, who's essentially a slash and grab company. They wanted to make a small profit off of Chrysler, try and keep them alive until they found another buyer. Fiat. Fiat took them over, branched out the truck division from Dodge, creating an unknown future for Dodge products. And with Fiat owning multitude of divisions themselves, the future of Chrysler and Lancia were up in the air. Now, FCA has now become part of PSA, and that marriage has led to a 10-year lifespan on products, with Chrysler being the one division that everybody sees a fall. Dodge, Fiat, Lancia, Opel, and Vauxhall are also on the consideration of the chopping block, with more consolidation happening now with the introduction of companies like Uber and Lyft with ride-hailing services and car ownership diminishing due to megacities not allowing more and more vehicles. More people getting on public transit with less people owning vehicles has led to the destruction of automobile industries in certain places. With the release of the brand new Ford Bronco, Troller from Brazil has now been led to die. As of this year in 2021, Ford announced that Troller will not be getting any more finances and will be closing their plant by early 2022. Doing this so that they don't have competition from themselves when the Bronco finally arrives. Today, Ford, Toyota, and GM have all pulled out of the Australian marketplace with exponentially higher wages than anywhere else. Australia has lost its auto industry. Since minimum wage people get paid the same amount as automobile production line employees, it is no longer feasible to build cars in that nation. Ford 
pulled out, and with it, General Motors and Toyota couldn't hold up the rest of the table. Toyota slowly pulled out of all their manufacturing facilities in Australia, and with that, General Motors eventually led to the demise of the Holden division in 2021. General Motors will be importing a few vehicles to the Australian marketplace, and Ford is building Asian products to go in there. But unfortunately, with the Chinese marketplace being the biggest one out there right now, places like overpriced Australia are just a slight consideration. The Australian country for automobiles is slowly going to become a secondary thought. General Motors today has divested itself away from Holden. There is no division. They do have a tie-up in China with Beijing and Wuling and now are trying to conquer emerging European marketplaces with the Ravon brand. General Motors is now expanding. Same with Ford and the new Stellantis Corporation. Moving into electrics. Moving their visions forward. But trying to still consolidate more. Volkswagen is now looking to divest themselves away from some of their ailing divisions. Seat is slowly going to become Supra. Skoda may go on its own or will have to put up a strong fight to keep Volkswagen out. Dacia has that same problem with Renault. But in Stellantis, Peugeot and Citroen, who have always been fighting it out, may have to fight or consolidate with each other. As we talked in our Stellantis Group podcast, there will be a massive amount of consolidation within that company. GM, bringing down their divisions to just Chevrolet, Buick, Cadillac, General Motors, has now made it, with only four divisions, able to have subdivisions. Bringing back the Hummer nameplate within GMC. They now also have the Cruise for pods. They have Bright Drop for electric delivery vans. But with that, more consolidation could happen. Cruise will eventually be merged into the brands and its name will disappear. Same with Bright Drop. Bright Drop, we could see into the future that Bright Drop will move into being GMC's cargo van division. And Cruise will eventually move into being standard pods run by either Chevrolet or even the Cadillac division. We have lost a lot of marks in our past. A lot of car companies have gone. Divisions have disappeared. But why? As the world starts to move away from automobile ownership, these bigger companies are going to have to start spreading their divisions across a wider range. Whereas in the 20s, all we had to do is have different price points for each division. And we can have a multitude of divisions. Today, you can have one division with a price point from the bottom to the top. Companies like Hyundai prove that. Even Kia, where they go from a $10,000 brand new vehicle at the bottom end, all the way up to eighty dollars or $90,000 in the same product. It seems weird to buy a $90,000 Kia, but in today's market, why do you need to change divisions? You're more likely today to buy a luxury version of a standard product. Look at Mazda, they're moving into more of a premium brand. How many people today buy a Honda Accord with the same interior as their Acura? Acura really isn't needed. You could just make luxury versions of Hondas, like they do in their home market. The world is slowly consolidating into what the Japanese have been doing for a long time. They have a multiple products from multiple multiple companies, but singular companies build singular product ranges across all variations of the segments. And that's slowly what's going to happen to North America. So with that, we take a look back at all the divisions we lost along the way. We lost a lot of companies and a lot of divisions. Hell, a lot of people these days would like to see a Studebaker or a Hudson or a Packard come back or even revitalize AMC. But unfortunately, with car ownership slowly coming down, there is no need to bring them back. They're all part of a forgotten time that we all loved. And from the 20s all the way up into the 70s, we all saw how the automobile industry could change. We saw it blow up. 
up and then implode upon itself. So if you liked our podcast, please follow, like, or comment on other our website or our many social media feeds from Twitter to Facebook, Pinterest to LinkedIn. We are on them all. And if you really want to share it, please share our website with many of your friends and family and show them the work that Autolux does. We don't just do podcasts. We do automotive ratings. We rate nearly every vehicle from around the world on our year-end ratings every year. Plus, do write-ups during the year. You can rate your own vehicles on our site. You can check for links to all of the automotive corporations from around the world, inclusive of part manufacturers, coach build, aftermarket transports, even some part manufacturers. And if you're looking for a little help or having some fun, check out our help page. This is Everett J from the Autolux Podcast, hosted by Podbeam and Autolux.net, saying strap yourself in for this one fun wild ride. The automotive world is going to take us up.